Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Coming up on 206 Wednesday afternoon, I'm Greg Mackling. He's Brett McGarry. Oh, the changing face of retail. Mm. It's a conversation that is po- it's impossible to ha- not have at times, right, Brett? Because the way we acquire goods and even services is changing by the month, right? They're different online services and uh, offerings, not only for shopping, but terms of getting work done around your house, uh, connecting for people either with used goods. Uh, Kijiji has, has uh, changed the way people connect and yeah, the second odd economy, secondhand economy, is that what they call it? Yeah, the secondhand economy is going, uh, you know, gangbusters thanks to uh, online sites like Kijiji. So, you know, 10 years after the implementation and the introduction of the iPhone, our lives are changing dramatically. And right now we want to talk about how malls in Canada are doing compared to malls in America. The headline reads, Better Design and Atmosphere – why Canadian malls are thriving while American ones struggle. This is an article from the Financial Post last week, and we have an expert to talk about this very thing, Greg. Mark Sadov joins us, founder and leader at Sadov Consultants, joins us. And uh, Mark, thanks for taking some time with us. I know you read the article here, and you highlighted in an email back to me exactly what it was kind of simple, really, in terms of an article that spans, oh, I don't know, about 450 words. Uh, there was I one. Sure did, yeah. There was one sentence that really stood out for you, right? One calculation. It's all about the numbers, and I've been saying it for years. You know, when you look at the square footage per capita in the United States and compare it to the to Canada, uh, United States is, uh, I believe, you know, thirty to forty percent overbuilt relative. You couldn't say exactly what the right number is, but they're relatively overbuilt. And since we started to see the onslaught of some of the U.S. retailers making the decision to come to Canada a few years back. Uh, I was on record as saying they better take over existing space as opposed to create new space, because if they create new space in Canada, they'll actually recreate the problem they have in the U.S., which is too much space. And if you have too much space, it can't all be productive. And so, you know, uh, the Retail Council of Canada, you know, their job is to promote Canadian retail and say what a great job they're doing. And I do think in many instances, you know, we have some unique and very successful retailers in Canada, but we have to remember that the discipline to not overbuild is probably one of the things that is most responsible for their success of late. So there's a fine line here, right, Mark? I mean, we're in the heart of what many people consider the the number one retail district in Winnipeg. It might be the number one retail district, you know, in Northwest Ontario, Manitoba and Saskatchewan. And we have a gigantic empty Target store, has been for almost three years now. And it was supposed to be the heart of a brand new development where the Winnipeg Stadium once stood. And it's now nothing but really tumbleweeds and uh, overgrown uh, grass. Yeah, well, Target Target is a story in and of itself. I've written and spoken in the media about it uh, a lot and I think you could you know what what I what I worry about today is that the discourse is so much about every time a retailer goes bankrupt or leaves a spot or isn't doing well you know the first reaction from everybody is well the internet is changing everything and because of the internet all these retailers are going bankrupt and to some degree for sure it's true but we have to remember that the internet is about 6% of commerce in Canada uh, and despite the internet you have many malls many areas and many bricks-and-mortar retailers who are doing well and executing well. And so, for sure, you know, the absence of growth in physical store sales puts pressure because growth masks a lot of uh, ills and a lot of mistakes. 
but there's lots of room for, for players to do well. And as you see, there are lots of online players who are moving to physical spaces like Amazon uh, because that's part of the omni-channel experience. Is it maybe uh, perhaps, and I'm just thinking of this on the spot, so forgive me if it doesn't sound completely uh, coherent, but is it a, a pendu- this, the pendulum swinging back where a lot of people maybe got used to online shopping and now they're sort of realizing maybe online shopping doesn't work for me and I need to see it, I need to feel it before I put my money down on the counter to buy it? Uh, the way I I I, I, um, I think that's a good thought. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an analogy from another sense, then I'll answer it directly. I send physical Christmas cards to all my friends and clients. I, I send about eight hundred of them a year, and the reason I send them is well, I enjoy sending them, but because everybody else sends an email, and I cannot tell you how useless it is to receive an email Christmas greeting that you that you hardly digest and you know that they didn't send with any effort, they didn't physically sign it, uh, etc. And so when they get the physical Christmas card, they get fewer of them and they value them more. When you think about the retail experience, you know, what I see happening is that the square footage will shrink over time, uh, despite the fact there's some committed capital already. But people will spend more money in their stores, especially high-end or luxury retailers, because they want to make the experience count. They want to make it special. You could do the low-end stuff on, on your computer. You could reorder stuff that you've already tried at home or on your mobile phone. But if you want to go in and experience the brand and experience the product, you've got to do it in person for a high-end brand, and they want to increase the amount of investment, not decrease it. Mark Sadaf joins us. We're talking about the, the changing face of retail in Canada and also the fact that we're seeing a lot of malls shut down in the United States, but malls seem to be relatively healthy here in the United or in here in Canada versus the United States. And is weather a part of this at all, Mark? Here in Winnipeg, we've got all these big box clusters, and Brett and I were talking uh, once we confirmed you were going to visit with us today and discussing the fact that he and I both hate the big box uh, retail experience in terms of you know ah, there's a place that I'd like to go to, but it's way the hell over there and in fact they're building a a brand new outlet mall here in Winnipeg and I suspect in just about every other market it might be an outdoor style mall but they're doing it like a traditional indoor mall that we see all across North America. Is is, is there something to the climate in Canada that that lends itself to the health of shopping centres and malls? I promise I will not make any Winnipeg climate jokes. Thank you Mark. That's my guarantee to you. But uh, no I grew up in Montreal and you know living in downtown you could you could go to work uh and go out with friends and visit seven malls without ever actually exiting into the fresh air in the winter uh because of the the way the system works i'm not sure that weather is a factor because you could argue that uh in a colder climate it's nice to have a mall to go in and walk around and it's a nice sort of respite from the temperature but then in in a warmer climate you have very nice malls like think about you know, a trip to Florida and think about the way they do the outdoor malls there. It's a very pleasurable experience. So I would say they may adapt the type of experience to the weather, but I don't think you couldn't make a a good mall experience in, in, in a variety of climates. So as we move forward here, Mark, what's going to be the key to uh, this continued trend of, of, you know, a healthy retail sector and in-person sector? Is it just going to be not building too much and, and, a little bit of moderation here? What do you think the key is? I would say that's part of it. I would say, you know, don't build too much. 
I would say uh, don't ignore bricks and mortar. Recognize that, of course, it will shrink and our 6% online will continue to grow. And recognize that uh, a consumer, especially the consumers of today and tomorrow, um, will interact with you uh, sort of around channels and in different channels. And just because they are buying some of their goods or getting some information online doesn't mean they don't want to also interact with you in store and vice versa. And so you need to have the whole package and you need to think of it at a customer level as opposed to at a location level. What is the, you said it's 6% in Canada for e-commerce. What is it south of the border? Uh, well, by the way, it depends on the numbers, on, on who on who creates the numbers. Mm-hmm, of course. Because it um, uh, depends on what it includes. They would say it's 9% in the U.S. And I think we would say it's 6% in Canada. A report came out recently that said it was like 3% in Canada and people were aghast. And that's because... It didn't include goods that Canadians bought in Canada from U.S. retailers who shipped direct. Um, so it, it is it is ahead in the U.S. It's ahead in the in the U.K. Uh, of the U.S. and then in China, it's like a whole other sort of stratosphere. Um, and so everybody will continue to rise. Uh, Canadians are very active online, sharing information, looking for information engaging with others, just not as active in a commercial sense as, as uh, some of its, I'll say, other Western world counterparts, and, and of course China, uh, but that's a bit of a different animal. I have to imagine that the retailers that have great websites but are also accessible in person, uh, I've told this story a couple times now, my wife, when she orders a, a dress from Hudson's Bay, she loves to shop online with Hudson's Bay, she'll order two, and then she'll take back the one that doesn't fit, and they, it's easy, easy peasy, no worries at all on a Saturday afternoon to uh, just take back the one that that doesn't suit her. Yeah, for sure. And and there'll be, you know, when I, when I talk to retailers, we talk about customer segmentation, so all different types of buyers, and occasion segmentation. So your wife, for some things that she buys on sometimes, wants to buy it online and wants to pay more and a whole bunch of other things that go into her decision. And for sometimes, for something she wants to, she wants to do it in person. And you need to be conscious of all of it. Mark, thank you for this. This is very insightful. We appreciate the access. It's been a pleasure. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.